Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I certainly would love that. But also to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Best QB in the league right here. What's up, John Money? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Giannis. And Giannis does not stop it. Oh, please. What a cat. That's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer. Once again, joined this week with Todd and Billy Boys. Hello, hello. Hey, guys. We're so sad no Andrew this week. He felt sick after pickleball, so for everyone looking for him, he'll just have to wait until next week. But <laughs> way more importantly, the Packers win 20-3 to against the LA Rams. I had a look again at like looking at the scoreboard again and see that it was only three points. I was like, shit, it didn't feel that way. It still didn't feel good. It feels like you know they didn't have an NFL quarterback. But either way, especially with how the season's been going, I will take a victory. All our problems are gone. Obviously, um, we. I don't know if people were aware of this. I think it was seven years in a row we lost on Daylight Savings Weekend. And we were able to beat that record finally. So that was good. Uh, we also watched the game together at Lynn Lake. Broke our own streak where last year we seemed to lose just about every game there, but now we're two and zero on the season. Did you guys enjoy watching the game at at Lynn Lake, our sponsor from last year that I did not reach out to this year? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was uh, the food was good, the atmosphere was good. Less people mm. than I think you would normally see um, on a non televised game in Minneapolis at a Packer bar, but the team kind of puts out that vibe, maybe a little bit. We're not doing yeah. so hot, but yeah. I mean, enjoyed it as much as I can enjoy watching a game with you schmucks, but mm, no, for, for real, good beer, good food, uh, generally good banter, I would say, in between plays, and Spencer, big win this time, didn't have that lady that had to make a comment on every single goddamn play. Yeah, so mm. we were there for the Saints game, and we almost talked about it on that podcast episode, but this woman had a comment about every single play which pissed me off, rightfully so. And I think we talked about this when we watched the game on Sunday. But I think I'm realizing, like, usually I don't like watching games at bars or, you know, out in public or something because there's always idiots. But now that we're not a good football team, I can do it because I'm like, these people, for the most part, are right. When in the past, it's like I get pissed at them about complaining about a winning football team that you know is going to be a good football team at the end of the year. And now... You know, that isn't exactly the case. So I, I'm almost the loud idiot, especially at Lynn Lake on Sunday when it was pretty calm, well measured, you know, no idiots, like I said. So it was I feel enjoyable. like we, we maybe were the louder table. We, I think so. I and, know. And maybe part of it is, you know, the football team isn't as good, lower expectations, people go out to watch the game, have a couple of beers, and maybe they're just not quite as invested as it is when it's a barn burner, you know. There are higher expectations. We need to win this game to keep pace in the north or whatever the case may be. I will say, though, about the bar atmosphere, I do enjoy just in general of like when there's a really bad play call or something like that. And you like lock eyes with somebody across like you don't ever you're never going to talk to that person. But like you're both like in disgust. Like that's a good that's a little camaraderie, right? Like 
it's just a, it's just a moment, but you're like you lock eyes with the person, and you're like rolling your eyes, and you're like that was really dumb. And it's like I like that part of like being at a bar. We're all we're all in this together. That was a really bad call, right? And like I don't know, I like that. Was it the second field goal that uh, that um, was attempted in the the game on Sunday where? The Carlson almost missed it wide left, and every bit at, at the bar yeah. kind of took mm-hmm. that deep breath, like ready yes. to groan. And then that might be the moment oh, I'm he thinking made it. Of. It was just like it was the least celebrated field goal I've ever seen. Yes, that might have actually been the moment I'm thinking of. I don't think it was a penalty, but it was like, yeah, it was it was pretty good. It's the little things in life, in life, and watching football games out in public with strangers, I guess. But yes. Uh, yeah, fun game. Nice to get a W, I guess. Uh, this episode, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to back away from the Mark Murphy and coaching talk, which I think we've had more than enough of the hate lately. I did. <laughs> I told you guys we did have one comment on Spotify last week where someone was like, "I love angry or mad Spencer." So I did. You know, that was, oh wow, took that to heart. But we'll have that's to, the one person. Yeah, probably, because you guys are like, yeah, we probably don't have to talk about that. But we'll talk about the game, offense, defense, breakdown, take news. We are going to talk about Jason Vrabel. I have facts, alleged facts, potentially this time, on him not being a good wide receiver coach. So and maybe not just wild conspiracy theories. Devontae Adams and or Randall Cobb might agree with me. Hmm. Uh, then we'll have Packers trivia. And then, of course, we will preview the game in Pittsburgh this weekend. But... Starting things off, opening thoughts. Packers win 20-3. to three. Again, I'll take any victory at this point. I think when we were going into the season, maybe not the three points, but as far as how the team looked, especially on offense, I think this is what we were expecting. You know, maybe not a ton of points, but some type of progress <laughs> through, through the game. I mean, hell, we had a first-half touchdown for the first mm-hmm. time since the Falcons game. Oof, I caramba. Um... But yeah, overall, good game. I It was mere week. Did you guys hear about this? <clears throat> Seen this? Hear about this? No idea. So because they're playing the Rams, LaFleur kind of dubbed it mere week because they have a similar offense, a similar defense. You know, that's where obviously um, Matt LaFleur came from under McVay and then one uh, Joe Barry worked for the Rams as well on their defense. So it was kind of mere week. And hey, we're obviously better than Sean McVay. Um, but I guess Matt other than LaFleur's that, brother is a coach for the Rams, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. So I thought about this. Uh, God, what was I gonna? What was the other part of it? I think there's. If I had a bet right now, who the OC is for the Packers next year, I think it's gonna be Mike Lafleur, oh, because God. I think. <laughs> well, think of, he lit of, it up in uh, in yeah. in New York. The uh, yeah, and now you're seeing that I've too already with complained feeling. about nepotism too much with this team, and oh my gosh, it makes total sense. Matt's gonna want to hire someone that he knows very closely. He's said in the past how he wants to work in his with his brother sometime in the future, and it would be very reminiscent of Mike McCarthy bringing back Joel Philbin for his final year before getting canned. So that was just a thought. I don't know. I think we could probably probably keep going past that, but. Overall thoughts on this game? Again, positivity. We looked like we knew what we were doing on offense. Todd, what'd you think? <clears throat> I I had to put myself in the mindset that the Rams were a good football team. Rippin, is, is that how you say it? I can never Rippin. pronounce his last name. Rippin was a great quarterback, right? And I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Past you know, I don't know. Because it, he got released today. <laughs> 
he can still be a good quarterback. Um, just not with the Rams. Uh, no, I enjoyed the game. The atmosphere was good. The game in general was good. I mean, not to be so delusional to say that the team has turned everything around or anything like that, but I just it was nice to win. I don't know. It felt nice. Todd, I felt like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Like, I don't know how many times we've woken up on Sunday and lived out this exact same day where we watch the Packers and expect us to have a better showing. And in the first half, it's just... It's just bad, stupid, undisciplined football again. I mean, we had two offsides penalties on fourth and one, which I don't think I've seen two offsides penalties on the offense in the history of my life as a football fan. I mean, just drive-killing penalties, you know, blown opportunities, blown assignments. I mean, the only difference this week was we actually got a touchdown. So I need to be positive. I'm happy that we got a touchdown, but against a team that's better than the Rams led by Brett Rippon. I mean, we're still down 17 to 7 at halftime. Can I say though, those offensive offsides, those are not real penalties. No one calls that. So, Nobody calls that. I I don't know how much you guys saw this, but it once again pissed me off. One, I was pissed during the game watching. But two, it's once again coaching shit. So they put out like a memo this week or the week before saying that they were going to start emphasizing this. And then we get called for it once. We can get pissed off at whoever for that first one. They put out a memo saying they're going to emphasize offensive offsides. The NFL because, did? Because of the uh, the, the Philly. Show. Really? So that's why it was happening. So Tush they push. So then it happened once during the game, and it's John Runyon. And then he goes back out there and does the exact same thing. And I know I've seen the in screenshots the and shit. the exact same situation, fourth and one. It's a good point. So fun fact, the ball is the neutral zone. The ball is the neutral yep. zone. And looking back, it's because he either had the crown of his helmet or his finger passed the ball. And that's what it was. And again, once, cool. Second time, how do you not, how does someone not realize what it what the issue was and tell them Man. to get behind the line <laughs> of scrimmage. I, it shouldn't be that hard. Well, especially when it's a no. point of emphasis, the league goes through the effort of sending out this memo. Like, did our coaches just sweep it under the rug? Like, oh, well, that's not going to happen to us. Like, for it to happen twice after there's a point of emphasis made, is it's unacceptable. No, this yeah. is what happened. Who got called for the first penalty? Even though it was John running both times, he did not get flagged the first time. Jenkins, the first I think, time, got called. Josh Nyman, or Yash, Josh yes. Nyman got flagged for the first one. So Josh is like, "Oh, it wasn't me, oh. right?" And so then, so really, you can't. That's a good point. So you can't blame him. We know it was him. <laughs> and yeah. the, it's not like the coaches have any all twenty-two film to confirm if it was actually Yash that was offside. It, it, it's really too bad we live in 2023 and the coaches just are they're running blind down on the sideline they just don't have any way to verify anything it's interesting the point that they did put out a memo that makes me feel differently i didn't know that they put out a memo that makes me feel a lot differently about the situation and i think that that i mean two in a row two it's like ugh. i mean i w- i was irate when we were watching the game because it was the same guy twice in a row i was like pull him and then i was like i don't care and then you know the whole sean ryan shit but we'll get into that later either yes, way I was, I was it was still fun watching us on offense you know billy god you were so negative there at the very beginning but we didn't produce i want points we did have the luke musgrave touchdown that was very cool the Jaden mm-hmm. reed jet sweep thing that was very cool that's the mm-hmm. cool shit we've been missing these last couple of weeks we had that other nice deep throw to Musgrave, we had the Christian Watson ball that he came down with. So there was a lot of positives. How, how many negative plays on offense can you think of that weren't penalties? How about that? 
Um, the two fluky fumbles were horrible. There you go. So that's that's yeah. about it. Yes. So you I, know, it, I mean, it's going to be much worse. But just the the mental errors that we've seen all year. That's what I'm frustrated with, and we still haven't seen it corrected. Even though it was a win, and a win is progress. We saw progress with the play calling, like you talked about, with the creativity. But I mean, again, this was the Rams led by a a dude that's going to be bagging groceries this week. Unfortunately. I don't know if there was a worse team in the NFL on Sunday than that Rams team that showed up. You know? Yeah. Well, you're probably right. Moving on to the offense. You know, what's okay. We've been pretty good about not getting on Jordan Love. Jordan Love played football in this game. He was 20 for 26, 228 yards with the one touchdown. He was sacked four times. But 20 for 26, that that's like an actual quarterback statistic right and there. And 12, 12 of 13 in the second half, and the one incompletion was a throwaway. I, I didn't realize it on mm-hmm. Sunday in real time, but he was excellent in the second half. It's weird because I have that written down too. It's one of those games where every other game it almost felt like where he looks okay and then you look at the stat sheet and you're like, ooh. And this week it was kind of the opposite where he, you know, I thought he played fine, but you look after him like, Oh, 20 for 26? That, the that entire is much better than I expected. Ha- the entire first half, I was looking at his stat line, and it's like he's two for six for 13 yards, and we're midway through the second quarter. It's like, oh, my God, what are we doing? And at halftime, he had 60 yards or something, 80 yes, yards. That is, it was 60, yeah. It was 60-something so, at least. So you still didn't feel good, and then he goes out in the second half, and it's like, okay, this this is what Jordan Love, and this is what this offense can be. Well, it was nice because we did have the one deep ball, and that's, I think it was a 37-yarder, so that was cool. It was nice to see him finally connect with one of those. Obviously, you know, Christian Watson completely broke after catching the ball, but uh, and I don't know what it is with Jordan Love and these deep balls, and obviously we've been talking about it all year, and I'm dumb, but yes, the, when he throws these crossing routes and some of these deep outs, it looks really fucking good. Even when he's like on the move, like he can really fucking throw that on a line. Why does he not simply sometimes a lot of the time? That is like his best throw is that you know, like that between 10 to like 20, 25 yards seems to be like what where he can really just rip it. Just get just do that, but aim higher and the ball will go farther. It's that, almost that, that's it's almost tip. like he's scared to overthrow these guys. Like the in the first half, the one to Watson that he was open by two steps and underthrew him so badly that he was still open by two steps just because the defender had overrun him so far. Mm-hmm. It's like if you if you lead him perfectly, it's right there back of the end zone, tippy tap, two toes in, easy touchdown. It's it's like he's afraid he's going to throw it into the front row or something. I don't know. I think he has. <clears throat> I honestly think he just has no touch. I think he has <laughs> to put it on a rope. And he has an arm, right? I'm not even like there's other quarterbacks out there that have that might be that it. have been successful with no touch. They just put it on a line. And if you put it on a line and you have your feet set and you throw it, you can get it there. It's like no matter where he's throwing the ball, if he's lobbing that ball, it's not. It doesn't end up well, that, and so he's got to put it on a rope. That's that's what I have. I kind of noticed it just in this game, and I was like, anytime he's like lobbing it, even when he lobs a screen pass, it's ugly. But when he puts it on a line and he's dishing it to somebody, it's successful. And that's kind of I don't know. I I got to go back and kind of look and see if that plays out. But like that's my new that's my newest theory. 
Well, I think the range is literally that uh, the Romeo Dobbs touchdown in Denver, I believe. That touch pass he had, you remember that? That was so ugly. Where it should Are you talking picked. about where we threw? No, going You're from talking... right to left. I know it was an away game, but he put yeah. so much. It, it was like a contested. It was the fail Mary looking touchdown for right. Romeo Dobbs. But it was like it was one of those two where it's like, why did you put so much air under this? Just fucking fling it in there. And the what's tough because you know we have these concerns with Jordan Love. The thing, the number one thing that Matt Lafleur has talked about with him. Maybe not the number one thing, but top three that he's t- said about Jordan Love since he's been in there is he's got to let it rip, and he's still struggling to let it rip. So hopefully we'll see more out of him in the future. You know, once again, it's every week Jordan Love isn't the number one issue. You know, sometimes he's one of them, but I don't think he's ever been the issue that the offense is struggling. So if nothing else, we can always fall back on that for the time being. Um, moving on to the running backs, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Emmanuel Wilson. I mean, Aaron Jones, crazy, crazy to see him get 20 carries, you know, uh, 73 yards. So what was it? A 3.4 at, 3. or 3.8 average. Okay. 3.7. One of those first, first time with 20 carries in almost a calendar year. I'm actually surprised it isn't more than that. Um, I was, I, hap- I had to go back. Yeah, and that is actually was, surprising. I think it was two or three games last year. He had 20 carries, but it's I would like, have guessed never. We, we've been <laughs> complaining about it since McCarthy. Give the yeah. guy the ball. Good things well, happen. And good things did happen. He did have the touchdown. He passed Donald Driver and Paul Horning with 68 touchdowns for seventh all-time in Packers history. Four touchdowns. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Weird how when you give him the ball in the red zone, he will score. You know, maybe you don't have to just give A.J. Dillon the ball when you get close to the goal line. You know, I don't know. Um, and then A.J. Dillon, you know, it's, here's the time where we got to crack down on him that third and one run where he tried to bust it outside when he had a hole at the middle that was dumb a graph on twitter today came out i just like you know all these fucking like epa and all these stupid stats that no one actually yeah. knows we just not agree like, mm, like yes this this stat confirms my prior beliefs uh aj dylan is the least explosive running back in the nfl according to that graph so that was cool to see um the other thing i i'd point out so it was 20 Nine and four for carries between um, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, mm-hmm. and Emmanuel Wilson. Perfect. Fucking do that every week. That that is the type. The snap count had to have been different, but Emmanuel Wilson looked pretty good at the end of the game too. And Gar- must have thought garbage, the same. Garbage time. Garbage, garbage, garbage time. time. But uh, can I just his vision actually looks really good. The the way he cuts in and out of his blocks and is patient. I love that. It's just something we've been missing for so long, right? Like, even Aaron Jones will outrun his blockers, which is fine. He's a different player. He's explosive. He creates. A.J. Dillon is the the exact opposite, and he has been playing way better lately. But, like, it was really refreshing to watch Emmanuel Wilson go out there. He's got a guard blocking downfield or whatever it was in front of him, and he's he kind of cuts in and out, and the safety doesn't really know what to do. And he kind of beats him on the outside on the one play. And then the other one that was like that 40 or no, it was a 31 yard run or whatever that he had. I mean, just beautiful sees the cutback and he moves. And I don't know. It just was refreshing to see. And if he can stack that success, I bet he gets maybe that's an inverse. Maybe it's a nine carries for Emmanuel Wilson and four for AJ Dillon. I don't know. We'll see. I'd be so down. He's he is the like least impressive looking running back that 
does well. I don't know what the hell it is. You still you're watching him for the thirty yards, I, and I'm I still think like, it's the vision. This, is, this doesn't look great. You're like he he does not look. He's like the Jordy Nelson of third string running backs, where it's like he mm. no one's expecting him to run that fast, and all Rude. of a sudden he busted outside, and you're like, holy shit, that was thirty yards, Billy. So two things. Okay. There is zero chance that Emmanuel Wilson ever gets twice as many carries as A.J. Dillon in a game solely because A.J. Dillon was a second-round pick. Die. Period. However, I will say this. It was refreshing to see Aaron Jones get short yardage carries and get carries on the goal line because the touchdown, and I think I made the comment during the game, they kind of showed the replay from from the offensive backfield, and you could see him. He, he took like two shuffle steps to his left, two hard cuts lateral at the line to find the hole. AJ Dillon, how many times do we see that play? And he tries to get there and he stumbles over his own feet and he goes down for a gain of a yard. So to finally get somebody that can actually has the vision to see the hole, but also to the athleticism to get to the hole and score on it. It's a novel idea. Lead blocker on that play. Christian Watson. Hmm. As we segue into the offensive line here, this is going to tie in nicely. Wide receivers are next, but okay. But yeah, unless you, unless we need to, yeah. Bridge the gap. Make, um, make your point, Todd. Does when Sean Ryan was in. Yes. And AJ Dillon was around the ball. I was like, who are these guys? Like, I don't even. Was it AJ Dillon running up the middle for two of those three plays? I'm pretty sure it was. I, I think you're right. And it, it was. Sean was, 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 was the scoring was drive. Moving people. He was moving people, and A.J. Dillon getting to that next level was breaking. Maybe not. I'm not going to say breaking a bunch of tackles, but he was taking people with him, which is not what we typically see. He was running like he weighs 240 pounds. So, like, there was some good positives for A.J. Dillon. Um, yeah, we should do wide receivers first, but Sean Ryan <laughs> okay. was. Well, I think that just means that Sean Ryan was actually opening bigger holes for Dylan to run through. He's not trying to, to get run to the his, next level, yeah, not running through as many arm tackles. Sure. But it, it was one series we're talking about. We're talking about what a max of three runs from AJ Dylan, three from Aaron Jones. I'm all about moving on from guys and replacing them in the starting lineup. And we'll just talk about uh, the offensive line here. But uh, Rashid Walker, he did come in for Yash after he got hurt. He played all right. Um, and I know we already talked a little negative about him, but <laughs> you remember, I forgot about this until today. And I'm pretty sure it was Aaron Jones. Remember when running came behind him and just picked him up and just yes. moved him? Like he literally, literally like four he, yes. and he like heaved him. He like picked him up a little bit too as he kind of tackled him forward. That was a good play. It was awesome. It was it, the most like textbook like illegal pushing your guy forward that I think I've seen in the NFL. No, um, that isn't that legal. That's though? legal. I mean, isn't, you can isn't grab that him. Why the brotherly shove is legal? Yes, well, it's illegal. It's a legal play. Now? You, oh, can't, you can't you can't what you can't do is you can't pull from like you okay. can't have your back to the end zone pull I believe is the rule. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you can't pull people off the pile is the rule. Yes, yes, okay. That makes sense. Either way, so yes. Runyon, he got hurt, hurt his ankle, he was back out for the next drive. So, people are a lot of people want Sean Sean Ryan to start, and I'd be fine with that, but I'm sure you know if you if you press Matt oh, Matt never is quicker with answers in press conferences than when you bring up the possibility of someone getting replaced. They were asking him if it was a a benching type thing because it was right after the offsides thing as well. 
Is it was, was it because of the offsides that you pull them, or was it injury? And as they're saying, it cuts off. No, no, no. It had nothing to do with play. It's like it was. He was he was getting looked at, and I'm like, maybe this is the issue. And that's the way I would reorganize the Packers coaching staff right now. Is so you know how they have like pullback guys when coaches get on the field and you don't want to get flagged for being out in the field and yelling and shit. Sure. I would move Steno to back to offensive line coach. And then I would get uh, Luke Buckus right now, who is the offensive line coach. Have you guys seen Luke Buckus? What he looks like? I mean, he looks like a bulldog with a beard, pretty He's much shorter guy. Dick sure. Buckus's yeah. like great grand. nephew or something. Yeah, nephew. Yes, nephew. I believe. I mean, bloodlines there. His new job, not the offensive line coach. He's the guy Matt talks to, and then Luke goes over and tells the guy, "Hey, you're sitting on the bench for this series. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what Sean Ryan has on this. Oh, hey, Amari, come over here. He's HR. He, he's the yeah. bad cop. He's he's got the face to tell people, hey, sorry, you're you're coming with me. You're not playing right now. Look, I, I'm not gonna disagree with uh, Dick Buckus's nephew. <laughs> Absolutely. But what I'm more pissed about, one, yes, I'd like to see Sean Ryan out there. Royce Newman, Royce Newman, and this fucking coaching staff didn't all play tr- a didn't play a snap on Sunday. Thank God. How many has he played for the year, Billy? Too too many. One hundred one hundred and seventy three snaps on offense. All of training wow. camp. All of training camp. A week in, I think. Sean Ryan was running with the twos. He was clearly ahead of Royce Newman. But for whatever reason, the regular season comes and this coaching staff is like, the vets automatically get to play above the less experienced guys. And they just fucking... Sh- how much How much better would we have been, it, where was it, against the Falcons or whoever? If we had Sean right now, again, it was one series. And I don't know if he's better than John Runyon, but I know he's fucking better than Royce Newman. And that's what pissed me off. Well, so Sean, Sean Ryan played two series against... The Rams. He played like garbage time mop up yes. duty. He played yes. fifteen snaps, but still, credit finally eight weeks too late that the coaching staff finally gave Sean Ryan some run and didn't let Royce Newman sniff the field. I'm sorry, Royce. I'm sure. I'm sure you're a great guy. I'm sure you hear that a lot from the coaches, but I think Sean Ryan is a better football player. Can I propose a new uh, lineup for the offensive line? Yes. It's not going to happen, right. but it's just kind of fun to talk about. You can say words, yeah. I'm going to say words. So if you move Tom inside to center, you take Myers. Myers didn't play all that bad. Put him at left guard. He's pretty good. Put Sean Ryan at right guard. So now you got two little bit of the Maulers going on at the guards. You got Tom in the middle. You keep Yash at left, and you put Elton at right tackle. Isn't that kind of seems like a recipe for success, right? I mean... Uh- I don't even like talking about it anymore because I just know it's not going to happen. It's you know? not going to happen. It, people need to get hurt for it to happen. That's the only way. We need to... Need to yeah. Anyone but Elton and Zach Tom just get hurt. Let's see Let's see what happens. I'm curious. And that, that was not other, like hurt, hurt. Not yeah. hurt, hurt. Yeah. They tripped on something. I don't know. Another thing is the excuse for Rashid Walker starting at left tackle You know, at the beginning of the year. It was all oh, they're looking for what they have in the future with Rashid instead of Yash Nyman, who only has a con- one year left on his on his deal. Yeah. If if we're using that argument, then why the fuck is John Runyon starting at right guard instead of Sean Ryan? So I just want to throw that in there too. Receivers: Christian Watson, uh, Wicks, Dobbs, Reed, and Malik Heath. Watson, you know we've talked for almost thirty minutes here, and we still have not talked about one Christian Watson, but. He did have the one big catch for 37 yards, but somehow came down with a back, chest, and head injury. 
which was hilarious to see on Twitter that they announced it that way. This team is so nice and the culture is so nice. I wonder if they just didn't have the heart to tell him that he had the wind knocked out of him and he was really scared about it because that's what it seems like what happened. You see him get up and like go back down during the game and frustrating. I mean, I and then sprinted into the locker room with two minutes left. And then he's talking to everyone on the sideline. It's like, I know he was hurt. I'm sure he was hurt. But when you are that guy, I would love it. I would love it to. And I, I thought about, you know, maybe we talk about this later. But when we moved up to take him in the second round, the other name that keeps coming up for who was available was George Pickens. And I think George Pickens and Christian Watson are both probably some pretty similarly talented football players. You know, if you get the best out of them, it's probably going to be pretty similar. George Pickens has a dog level of 10, and I think Christian Watson's at like a one or two. You know, I think he'll get hyped up after a big play, but if you touch him, and I'm, I don't want to say injury is fragile, but I think some guys are more willing to play through injuries than others. And at this point in his career, I think it would be tough to say Christian Watson is someone who's, you know, Devontae Adams tweeted that he was pissed off at the medical staff for not letting him play in that Cardinals game a couple of years ago, that Rizal Douglas game. And now we have Christian Watson who has three injuries on one catch. And I'm, I can almost guarantee he's going to play this week and probably practice on Wednesday. So here's here's the amazing thing because Spencer, Ooh, when we drafted uh, Christian Watson, I was beside myself because I thought for sure we were going to go get Pickens. I wanted Pickens so bad in that draft. So when you were talking about how Pickens has that dog meter up at ten, I was like, oh well, Pickens is a bigger, more muscular receiver. So I just pulled it up. Pickens six three, two hundred pounds. Christian Watson six four, two oh eight. It's not the size. It's not the build. It's just the the want to. The, the, it's the attitude. The, I was the go- attitude. I was yeah. thinking idiot attitude, too, because Pickens this week, did you see this? You hear about this? How he like scrubbed all the Steelers shit off his social media, and he was complaining about not getting the ball after they won and all this shit. So it's like, oh no, what would you rather have? The, the 10 I mean, dog the, or the one dog? <laughs> the dude still leads the Steelers in catches and yards this year. So yeah, he's pretty good. Um, yeah, maybe still take uh, Pickens. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, Dontavian Wicks. You know, he had a pretty solid game. What was it? Three catches, 40-some yards. The bad. Four, four catches, 49 yards, uh, long of 18. Cool. Okay. So he had, obviously, the one <laughs> bad fluke. So it, we got to talk it, about that was, this. That was stupid fluky. <laughs> well, stupid fluky, but what, what do you... Every time... Not every time, but near the goal line situation, like the Patriots are told not to reach near the pylon. And a lot of teams are told not to reach like that because you're going to fumble. Shocking that a Green Bay Packers wide receiver would make a critical mistake like that, you know, when they've been so mistake free for he's a He's a rookie. I'm I'm willing to cut him some slack. And I I will cut him slack. I will not cut Jason Vrabel slack. Just about any other play like that, you know, he's been touched. He's been nudged or somebody rubbed up against him, some defender, so that he's technically down by contact. This was one of those where he's so wide open and he's diving for the, for the, you know, the marker and hits the ground. The ball comes out. And as he's in the process of trying to recover, he somehow flips the ball into the air to the defender. Like it's... Like I said, it was a stupid, fluky play. It's unfortunate. I, w- I was not happy at the time, but having a couple of days to digest, 
and picking up a 17-point win even despite it. I'm not as upset, but, I mean, you're not wrong. I think, yeah. I mean, he's a rookie. He's fighting for extra yards. Like, like the attitude, you want him to push forward, but at the same time, like, okay, yeah, like maybe time and place, like if you're reaching over the goal line, maybe that's a go, right? Because once you right. cross the goal line, you can't, there's no fumble, right? Um, so and it's it was time like, and place. It was like the first ha- first snap of the second half, too. So it's first down. We just got that good it's kick return. It's a fluke like, play. You don't, we don't need to get a first down on this play. You know what it reminded me of was, I think it was the Giants in the playoffs in 2011. Where Driver like kicked up the, yes, where Driver kicked up that pick or whatever, went off his foot. It bounced off his toe. Mm -hmm. Especially with the angle that we had with it being on the far sideline, it was like, oh, it's going out of bounds. You're like, no. You're no. saying like the level of flukiness is yes. like that. How the way like he hits the ground, it kind of rolls up on his forearm. Mm-hmm. And as he goes to reach for it, his forearm throws it up into the corner's right. hands. Yes. Right. Um, Malik Keith dropped his lone target. He has five targets on the season and zero receptions. <laughs> Not enough tape on his arms. I, I, think, it's, <laughs> I think it's pretty damning that uh, Samari Toure, a seventh round pick, was a healthy scratch in favor of Heath on Sunday. I mean, I've been calling for it just about all year, too. I, I, I just don't know what Ture brings, and especially when Love is trying to force him, those deep balls early in the year. I, I know Heath is 0 for 5 right now, but I would still rather well, that, see what he that's has. That's it. it it's, lo- it's not like Heath has necessarily shown a ton in limited time either. But I don't know. Bigger body, too. I would think he'd be better on special teams and shit as well. But I, And he's a rookie, too, and he's probably not getting the snaps in practice. I mean, it's a tough go when you're at the bottom of the roster. So, you know, he'll get better. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, tight ends, you know, not too much to talk about. We already kind of touched on it. Musgrave had the cool touchdown, also had the other long catch. And the touchdown was cool because what did he not do? Fall over. He Stumble. Didn't, he didn't fall over. Something else he didn't do which we haven't had this year, is a Lambo leap. Have you guys seen this? You heard about this? Yeah. Why haven't... So it does make sense when we haven't had a ton of home games. So we lost the Lions game. We weren't going to leap in that one. We were losing the whole time. We yep. had the Saints game where we were losing the majority of the game. You know, And I was glad that we didn't leap with the Dobbs touching or the Jordan Love rushing one. Maybe he could have done it then. But in this game too, Aaron Jones, who scored first, he said he forgot. And I kind of believe him. And then Luke Musgrave, he might have just, I don't know, he's a rookie. He didn't his know first he career touchdown. There was also Aaron Jones in his locker room interview said that they have less time this year to celebrate or to get set because they start the whole field goal thing. So apparently there's something too. I know the Bengals have been doing their own, what the fuck do they call it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Does anybody know what they call it? No. They should, did Even if we it. did, we shouldn't say it. But yeah, they, they've been doing it. So I don't I don't know how good of an excuse that is. But if we don't get a Lambo leap and we win the next time at Lambo, I will be upset. Um, that's it. Anything else on the offense? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, I, did, I think I just want to touch on the creativity again. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Ooh, that one play. Well, the, the the Musgrave play, the end around to read the Musgrave play with <laughs> that the, was fun. the two fake screens, actually getting Musgrave the ball on that the other catch that he had down the field where he's not running just a little drag route into the flat. Boy, that's refreshing to see out of your tight ends. Like, I don't know what Lafleur was waiting for to actually show some creativity because 
God, the last several weeks, I mean, I talked about it before Groundhog's Day. It was just stale and the same thing over and over again. Well, I'll say this. That play, and I think this it's the perfect example of fans getting mad or happy, you know, on a on a creative play call. Cause, you know, if if Love drops back and he got sacked four times in that game, if he drops back and tries to pull out two fake screen passes and he gets engulfed we're like what the fuck are you doing matt but because he had the time and it worked luke because it worked it was wide open in the middle it's the The window dressing though i mean it's aaron jones going in motion pulls the linebacker out and then you have all these linemen pulling out they expect a screen turn back the other way like but it's not going to work 100 percent of the time but it but it's the fact that they executed well enough and he called it at the perfect time yes I'm I'm just saying, you know, sometimes I know like last year people got pissed at the David Bakhtiari. I still like that call. Yeah, that was a brilliant too. play that's, call. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yes. Okay. Bad throw. It's the it's the fact that they were able to execute it how you would like it. So this year has been sloppy. So that what's make what makes me mm-hmm. excited is they took a play like what was the what was the uh, remember when Jordan Love threw that um, backwards pass and it was supposed to go oh, God, to so, in this to game man, where was it he tossed it to, Manuel Wilson tossed it to him or something no oh, I'm talking about oh, this that, was like weeks yeah, ago that's, that's and just how game, poor yeah. the execution was right and this week the execution was good it looked good I'm like the best part to me is it looked good right like they actually executed they fooled the defense and plays were made Luke didn't stumble around it was great I agree. Also, um, uh, we don't have to worry about saying the name of the Bengals thing because it's horrible. It's called the Jungle Jump. Yeah, that's right. It's very dumb. That it's a very, very dumb, dumb name. So I'm going to be I honest. Think... I didn't even know that that was a thing. It's it's uh, this week. I think is when it kind of. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. I don't know. And with very that, bad. a quick commercial break. All right, and we are back with the defense. The defense did well. Only three points scored by the Rams because they are bad, and their quarterback is no longer playing for them. Uh, since week five, the Packers have given up the second least amount of points in the NFL. That's pretty good. Here's a question for you guys. It's been a weird season, so weird question. Defense look pretty good for the last month, right? I think we can all agree with that. You know, not a lot, not a, a lot of great offenses we've gone up against, but. Do you want the Packers defense to succeed the rest of the year? Because if it does, Joe Barry is probably coming back to this football team. That's where I'm at right now. If this defense keeps playing the way it is, Joe Barry is back. And not like I think we're going to win a Super Bowl next year, but we definitely will not with Joe Barry as the defensive corner. So do you want the defense to play less good going forward or you want to run that risk? Here's the Mm -hmm. thing. There is such a large body of work with Joe Barry, not only in Green Bay, but before he got to Green Bay, that I don't care how well the defense is playing the last couple of weeks. We played Brett Rippon, who's going to go work at UPS this week. Okay? You said that, grocery store earlier. Well, maybe he maybe he got a better <laughs> offer from UPS in the last 20 minutes. I don't know. Maybe it's a strip mall. They yeah, have they both. Have, there they you go. Council, yeah. At any rate, my point being... The dude is not an NFL starting quarterback. He's not he's just not an NFL quarterback. So holding the Rams to 3 points on Sunday, I'm not impressed. And 
you look back at the previous weeks, I mean, the last time that we played a legitimate offense, the Lions, we got run out of the gym in the first half. So I honestly, I mean, I don't I, think that what I we I think you're been, asking yourself a different question. I think what we've been showing the last handful of weeks, it's not sustainable. There's no way on God's green earth that we do the rest of the season what we've done the last three, four weeks. Fair. Todd? I think in the long run, obviously, it's better if the defense sucks and Joe Barry gets fired, right? I mean, I don't think any yes. of us disagree with that. But that's kind of loser talk. I like to see the yep. defense play well. Yeah. So I'm a little bit torn. And also, do I have faith that if the defense sucks, Matt LaFleur will fire Joe Barry? No, I do not have also, faith. Yes, that's also true. So let's just let it ride. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion because I don't really have a lot of faith that there's any certainty that Joe Barry, regardless of how well the defense does, there's no certainty that Joe Barry's gone in the real world. If you were saying for sure, if if it was the ultimate, like for sure he's gone if they suck. Yes. Fine. Suck for a year. Good. Be gone. But like there is zero guarantee I mean, that Spence- he's gone. Spencer, didn't we have this conversation? Are you guys last year? Yeah, same exact before the Lions game. Would you rather lose and fire Joe Barry or win and go to the playoffs? I I think it's when we had like three or four games left. Is when I was asking the question: Would you would you want to make the playoffs if it means Joe Barry's coming back? And I think I was like, "Eh." because that's where I'm at right now too with Matt Lafleur, where I like him. I'd like for him, I think, to be the coach next year. But if that means Joe Barry's coming too, nope. Would you, would you trade a Super Bowl, but you have to have coffee with Mark Murphy? Oh yeah, every day, every day, Ugh. every mean, day, forever. I I don't know. There, there's too many logistical variables with that question. No, he I just lives answer. right next to you. He lives right by you. <laughs> then no, then no. I don't want to live next to him. No. <laughs> so he, here's wow. Here's the other thing I think that people are overlooking with whether Lafleur is coming back next year or Goody or. Joe Barry is Mark Murphy needs to retire after the NFL draft in 2025. So what are the chances that Mark Murphy chooses to fire Goody and or LaFleur at the end of this year to hire somebody else to come in? And then there's a new president for the Packers taking over the year after that, unless this guy is involved in that hiring process and that guy has been identified as to who is going to take over for Mark Murphy, and maybe it has, and we're not privy to it, I just don't see it happening. It Maybe Spencer can shed some light on the process. Does The, the board picks the president, though, right? The I believe the board is supposed to, but at the same time, like when they did this you know, back in 2006, 2007, 2008, when they were going through it, Bob Harlan was very much part of that process. And that was obviously a better time in Packers history too, where we had, you know, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers waiting in the wings. We obviously didn't know, but there wasn't this type of turmoil going on with the structure of everything. But originally, because people don't, you know, remember this, Mark Murphy wasn't the first pick, which okay. I I said most people, Uh, Jim Jones, I believe was the guy's name. And who, Wildy was actually saying, one, which everyone knew Jim Jones was going through some health issues, so he couldn't be president. But two, there was already early uh, remorse, whatever you want to say, 
that Bob Harlan was realizing it wasn't the right move. So then they went on to Mark Murphy. So I don't know if it's the board or Bob Harlan, but I think they would kind of work together. But Billy or Todd, whoever said it, we don't we don't know who if they've made that decision right now. And even if it were up to Mark Murphy, I think he would absolutely if he could, he would make he would want to make a move that he thinks is right at the end of his tenure. I don't think he gives a shit about who's taking over after because there was no reason for him to do what he did in 2018. And I, the NFL draft is going to be the thing he's remembered for as well. I think he wants to have that type of stamp on the franchise where these are my guys. Once again, where he, if he thinks he can leave it, if he doesn't believe in Goody and Matt, I don't think he wants his lasting impression to be those two. You know what I mean? But then he also yeah. runs the risk of bringing in two brand new guys that don't click with the new president under this structure where they all report to him and both of them get fired after one year anyway. But Mark Murphy has proven time and time again that he will run the risk of completely restructuring a franchise or saying stupid shit to a high school hockey reporter. Someone needs to ask him because it can't be that hard to get the answer. Have you selected somebody? Who do you want to be the next person? Like, Just ask him those questions. Maybe you have to say it twice and you're going to get an answer. Yeah, I don't know. And that's it'll it'll be we're going through the process and, you know, and it's once I he, just think if you press Mark Murphy, he's going to say something dumb. He eventually he, he, he gets, will. <laughs> he gets nervous and he doesn't know what to say and he clams up cuz like Wildey and Silverstein pressed him on questions back in 2018, 2019 even oh, a year okay. later about it with the whole restructuring shift. But back to what I'm saying, what I hate about this with Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur is the best case scenario might be not Goody again. Remember, it's not the GM. It would be Mark Murphy at the end of the season going up to Matt and being like, hey, Matt, we like you, but you got you to gotta fire Joe. And I wouldn't be surprised if like that type of conversation happened last year. And Matt's like, if he goes, I go. You know, Especially, once again, back to the shit with Darren Rizzi, not letting Matt pick his original coaching staff. I think that's a touchy issue with Matt, with the way things have gone, that maybe that is something he's going to stand on. Um, anyways, the defense. Front seven. Kenny Clark was carted off with a shoulder injury. Doesn't sound like it's anything long-term. Maybe he'll play this week. They haven't practiced yet, but Matt didn't sound too concerned. In the fact, once again, no news is always good news, but the young defensive line played pretty well. I saw a stat that uh, Devonta Wyatt is like the fourth high has the fourth highest pressure rate among interior wow. defensive linemen in the NFL with a 16%. Um, and yeah, the entire defensive line, once again, played pretty well. They only gave up 2.6 yards a carry when the Rams had been averaging four yards a carry. So that's pretty good. I know they were down a couple running backs, wow. but still I'll take it. Uh, JJ and LVN had a tackle for loss. Gary had two QB hits. Preston had a pass defended and uh, fuck Carl Brooks. So, Yes. Razul Douglas leads the team right now with six passes defended. Jair has four. Carrington Valentine has four. And Carl Brooks has four. He's got a, especially for a rookie to get his hands up there. And a defensive lineman against a bunch of defensive backs, too. Yeah. And it's one of those where I think Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach, had a lot of question marks coming into the season. He's never really developed anyone. And these guys are a little bit more talented, obviously. But it's nice to see these guys not being minus out there which i was kind of expecting going into this season i know we talked about that early on in training camp todd 
Yeah, I think that the Carl Brooks, I mean, I'm starting to notice it more and more. It's like his hands are literally always up. And he's, I don't know if he has long arms or if it's just me thinking this, but like every time I see it, it's like the Julius Peppers arms in the air where you're like, Jesus, those things are long. And like, they're always, he's in the right spot. I mean, I don't know. He's, he's been pretty impressive just in the impact that he's made. Maybe not so much rushing the passer, but in the run game too, he's had a couple nice plays and stuff, but I don't know. He's fun to watch. And then, um, I think too, maybe kind of unsung a little bit. I don't know how many snaps he had, but TJ Slayton, I saw him a couple times uh, during the game, stuffing runs and making plays out there. So that was cool. I mean, I know he's a big body and stuff, and that's kind of his job, but boy, can he move too? Did you see him on that screen pass? I forget. Somebody tweeted it out. He ran from like the right side of the line. I think it was a screen pass or an outside run or something like that, and he hit the pile with a full head of steam. And it's like, (laughs) dude is... I mean, what is he, like 340 pounds? He's a big he's boy. moving. So, I don't know. He was kind of impressive just, like, seeing how good of an athlete he is and stuff out there. Um, yeah, impressive to see them hold the um, the Rams to such a low yards per carry. The guy I was impressed with, and maybe, Spencer, you were going to get to him, is uh, Isaiah McDuffie. I mean, oh. he was playing for Quay Walker, and watching yes. him come downhill in the run game, he had a couple of tackles for loss. And just going sideline to sideline, like, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm a little too optimistic because it was just one game against the Rams, but, you know, he might be ready to take over for uh, Campbell next year. Yeah. Oh, sorry. He's a guy that I've always really liked him. Like, the last few years when he stepped in, he's been fine. But then when he stepped in earlier this year, he kind of struggled. But yeah, he had two tackles for loss in this game. He had the one where he, uh, I think it was a third and short, too, where he blew it up for like minus four yards or whatever and he's he's not a big guy but he doesn't really fuck up and he keeps the play in front of him he he like knows how to actually pursuit a running back like between the tackles and shit so again if you said it before but i'll say it again it's so much nicer to have him instead of someone like ty summers to step in todd well yeah and i think he's a guy that is i don't know but like it seems like he is a i'm trying to think of how they how they describe him not like twitchy. He's not athletic, but he's instinctive it's, is yeah. what I was trying to look yeah. for. He's an instinctive player. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't have all the athleticism, but I think, I think sometimes you want that. You want your instinctive player and then you got Quay Walker, right? And like those two together might make a really good combo. Isaiah's, you know, scraping, you know, playing it safe a little bit. And then Quay's able to go out there and shoot gaps and make plays, Just right? Be like crazy. Yeah just yeah that's a great way to put it crazy um but no i think isaiah mcduffie is like playing out of his mind i don't know if this is what we can expect from him every week uh it was a lot of fun to see and we were kind of joking as we were watching the game about like we better sign him to an extension uh and whatnot right while he's still cheap but um i hope he can keep it up and it was a lot of fun to watch and yeah he was kind of all over the place i think he had six or seven tackles It's funny how that 2021 draft class has looked a little bit better through these last two weeks, too, with Isaiah McDuffie and TJ Slayton showing up and playing. I think they're Mm. out of the same draft class, but a couple, you know, a couple of those guys showing up a little bit more. Um, Also, Colby Wooden had that nice uh, run stop on third and one as well, where he just shed the blocker. So it was nice. That was nice. Everyone on defense just about had had a nice little flash play. Um, I I think it's too like we're seeing guys make plays when they need to. And in the past they weren't making plays, right? Like there's been a lot of stuff where like we're kind of in games at the end, but like, yeah, right. Last week, 
guys when they need to were making plays. Like somebody on the field was making a play when it mattered. So granted, it's Rams, but still. Yep. Moving on to the secondary corners, Carrington Valentine. You know, after a good training camp and then getting picked on early in the season, it really seemed like great game against the Rams. I mean, once again, if you play against uh, Rippin every week, you're, you're probably going to do. He, yep. that, that's the thing, because he was good in preseason. He was good in this game. As long as he's going against third-string quarterbacks, he's going to fucking kill it. Uh, Jair, I thought, was okay. Um, he was given a game ball. So he had two two or three tip passes in this game. I think he had two I tip think he passes. had three. Yeah, the third he one had, was the pick. I'm pretty had, sure. At one point, he had been targeted like four times with three passes defensed. He played pretty well. Either ES- way, so he, ESPN gave him two. Okay. But at okay. any rate. So he was given a game ball after the game, which, you know, I think there was some other better performances. We talked about Isaiah McDuffie even, but I wonder if that was more of, and Tom Silverstein talked about this on uh, the Green 19, whatever Packers news podcast last week, how he, there wasn't like a rivalry in the locker room between Razul and Jair, but there was a thing where, and I could see it with Jair being Goody's guy. You know, the younger guys were kind of going to Razul. And Jair likes the attention. And I think he likes being a leader. You know, he was pissed off last year when he wasn't voted captain. I think that's one of the reasons why we didn't have captains this year. So I think one of the, not a top tier thing, but one of the reasons why we did move on from Razul was for Jair and some of these younger guys to take on more of that leadership role. And I think LaFleur giving him a game ball on Sunday was a bit of a, I don't know, reflection of that as well. I could totally be wrong on that, but in my brain, it makes some sense. Um, Keyshawn had a good game, I thought. He had five tackles, which is pretty good for yeah. a fucking slot. He's, again, it, it, he's not always a great player, but he's he's like Darnell Savage in the slot position again, where he's just running around always like getting involved at least. Yeah, which he's, I a, can't he's a willing at. tackler. He's at least in yes. there. Yes, um, and he's will he flies into on run plays too and sticks his nose in there, which is fun to watch. Yes, he looks like Jair of old before the shoulder injury. Um, Jonathan Owens had a sack in the forced fumble where Rippin fumbled the snap and then fumbled again. It's one of those where it's like, is it like a half forced fumble? Because you know it was kind of loose in his hands after initially it was raining at the time too. Um, and then Anthony Johnson Jr. had his first career pick which is funny. I thought about this. If you told me back in August that Jonathan Owens was going to ha- lead the team in tackles and have a sack and Anthony Johnson Jr. was going to have a pick in uh, November, in a November or October, yeah, it was November in a November game, I'd believe you. I'd believe you because we didn't know who the fuck were the starting safeties were going to be. Right now, going into that game, we were like, oh, shit, this might be bad. But back in August when we had no idea would have made more sense and it was nice to see anthony johnson jr not fuck up at all in his first start so that was positive um he had a couple deflected passes too i thought he played a really good game i don't know i we we don't know unless you know you're down on the field obviously but like the communication i just feel like this is just a feeling that i'm getting this is a good point the the communication seemed like it were like people weren't in the wrong places pre-snap there, I just I didn't notice a bunch of confusion. Which, like, honestly, week to week, I'm noticing confusion, especially when it's a hurry up offense or whatever. If they're going quick on third down, like this week, it was like it just something was different about. I feel like where people were, 
Maybe responsibilities were simplified. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe with Razul out, there's some simplification that happens. I don't know, but like it seemed more cohesive and it seemed like the communication was better. So answer this question. Over the last three years, if there's someone in the secondary pointing fingers, who are the top two guys you think of? Yeah, I mean, the 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 nonverbal expressions after a bad play is like 100% always Razul. Razul and Darnell Savage, I would say. The two oh, guys yeah. who didn't play. <laughs> well, you know, Razul did, but for the Buffalo Bills. But. And I never really thought, I mean, I don't know. I, f- I do feel like more of like that body language from Razul was always like, it's a, coming from like a, a point of passion. Yeah. But like... And and maybe everything was simplified this week, but like maybe that wasn't super helpful. <laughs> I don't know. Like clearly, I'm trying to remember what the situation was, but just a few weeks ago, uh, where I think it was somebody missed their yeah. guy, and Razul like visibly like in the frame on the broadcast was like blaming them. It was Rashawn Gary didn't cover the edge. That's what it was, and Razul was out there on an outside run play or something. I think you're thinking of two different plays, actually, which kind of lets think so? you know. Yeah, because the Rashawn Gary one happened week three, and Razul jumped up and down just two or three weeks. It was either the Broncos game or Raiders game, because I remember that, because the one play, it was Razul's fault. The other one, it was Rashawn Gary's fault, and that was very earlier yeah. in the year. But Just the body language, I guess, yes. is what I'm getting at of, like, it's very obvious Yes. Uh, and with that, eh, we don't have to talk about special teams. Take news. Football time. Take news. Okay, take news for the week. So I, on the podcast, I think for at least the last year, once we started having these problems on offense and in the passing game, I've been like, hey, I think it's Jason Vrabel. I think it's this guy who doesn't have a lot of experience coaching one wide receivers, two, being a coordinator for an offense, and he is the passing game coordinator. So the second year of him being that. So, obviously, we've had a lot of dumb mistakes, receivers running the wrong routes. We had the RPO without you know the actual pass option the previous week. Drop balls. You know, I don't know how well you drop you coach drop balls. Anyways, so I've had my suspicions. Well... You know, I listen to uh, Jason Wildey from time to time. They have a nice little thing where on uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever, you can just type in Jason Wildey, and on ESPN Milwaukee, they put out every time he talks on the radio, you know, talks about Packer shit. So I'm like, cool, I'll listen to this little soundbite, see if I find something. So, of course, when there's smoke, there's fire, and I am a, I'm a firefighter. I have proof, pretty sure, pretty, pretty good confirming proof that either Randall Cobb or Devontae Adams, maybe both of them think Jason Vrabel is not a good wide receiver coach. So this is from October 26th, um, talking Jason Wilde talking to Jen Gaben Chu, I think it was, about uh, Jason Vrabel or the receiver coach or position coaches for the Green Bay Packers. Jason, should we be taking a closer look then at the positional coaches, or do we just have to accept that young players run run wrong routes no matter how well or poorly they're coached? No, that's a good question too. The problem, Gabe, of course, is that you know, and and I don't, I don't feel comfortable with it only because I'm not in those meetings. I've, it's a, it's hard to assess, but like you don't really know how good a coach is unless you've been coached by him, and then you have a little bit better idea, right? But I know this: there have definitely been players who have been less than glowing in their reviews of some of their position coaches. Now, many of those guys are gone now because anybody who is veteran enough to have that kind of conversation with you off the record is no longer on the roster. 
but I, I don't think that that's an unfair question. It's just one that I don't, I personally can't answer because I don't, I don't know. And maybe for some players, here's another possibility for some players, like maybe a veteran player, um, maybe a coach is actually good, right? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't ha- he doesn't have to harp on the fundamentals. He can help you do the things that you need to do. Dante Adams or Alan Lazard who played in the league or Randall Cobb who played in the league for a long time. But now with young players, maybe he's actually good for them because he's really good at fundamental work and maybe not as good at maybe the details of, you know, more, more uh, extensive plays. So there, Wildy, he starts by saying, you know, he doesn't want to judge coaches that he's been coached by. Yep, that's that's fair. That's very fair. You know, never going to be able to judge, that, judge them then, I guess. Also, he says he knows there's been players who have been less than glowing in their reviews of some position coaches. And later says Devontae Adams or Randall Cobb who have played in the league, but, you know, you know, he's just making a um, giving an example of like you know more veteran guys maybe don't need coaches when or the coaching that they received isn't the same type of coaching that young guys would get. And he's just using it as an example. He's not saying those are the guys who have complained about Jason Rabel, but he's using them as an example. Almost kind of you know, I, like I think I sent this to you, Todd, before, and I was like, I think he's saying Jason Rabel isn't good, or you know that these two guys don't like him. Well, then mm-hmm. last Thursday. This is what Jason had to say. Like, I don't know enough about Jason Rabel, but I know that there are some that have been either players that used to play here or others who weren't quite sure how good of a coach he was. And now he's the passing game coordinator on top of wide receivers coach. So I think with all the information we have been given here, we can say probably without much doubt that Jason Vrabel, that Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, one of the two or both of them, don't think he's a very good receiving coach. Um... Could be Alan Lazard. Could be Alan Lazard. However, I don't think uh, Jason and Alan Lazard developed much of a relationship because of COVID developing uh, in 2020 and less locker room access. I don't think Jason talked to Alan Lazard much when he was a rookie uh, in that year. I know he's talked like in the past, like I broke. <laughs> so one, I hope no one posts this because this is how it uh, kind of popped off last year with the Jordan Love thing. But um what was I going to say here? Oh, I don't want it to get back that we talked about this. And then Devante and Randall Cobb would feel like they have lost trust in Jason Wildy. If it comes out that they told him, Hey, we told you we didn't like Jason Vrabel and you went on the radio. And now people know that we think he's a bad coach, but I don't, I don't have too much to add, I guess, other than um, I'm smart. So what do you guys think? Yeah, wow. Very good detective work. I like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, don't know. I don't have any opinions, I guess, on Jason Vrabel other than kind of what we've talked about here before. I mean, I will say in his initial point kind of that he made in the first clip of like maybe some coaches are best fit for certain players. And I think that that's probably true, right? Yep. Coaches have a skill set too, right? And if a coach is more focused on the basics versus if you got got a guy like Devante that really needs to be challenged, maybe that doesn't work out so well. Um, I would say if that were the case, I would expect maybe some different results for what this wide receiver group has put together this year. So I don't really think that that's the case, but I think the point in general can be either personality too, or just that some people just, it's just not a good fit, right? Even if they like each other, it's just not a great fit. So I think that that's an interesting point to carry along through the conversation, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, maybe he's not the guy, right? And maybe that there's a lot of, there's seems to be more information that's telling us that maybe, maybe it's just not going to, 
he's not uh, going to be the wide receivers coach for forever. I mean, maybe that's I don't know. I don't know. It's like that meme with the you know draw, what <laughs> Uno the whatever draw twenty five cards and. You know, Matt LaFleur is going to be drawing them cards instead of firing someone on his staff. Yeah, he doesn't have an Uno reverse. Yeah, his... that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So here's all I all I have on Jason Brable. Uh, very anecdotal, but I think mm. it's interesting. So his break in the NFL came in 2013 as an offensive quality control coach for the Bills. And he was there for three years. And then he was promoted to assistant quarterbacks coach an interim running backs coach in 2016. I don't know much about the Bills during those four years, but I can guarantee you they were not very good. Then he went to the Jets as an offensive assistant from 2017 to 18, was hired as a Packers offensive assistant in 19, which it appears he had a a working relationship or a prior relationship with with Nathaniel Hackett. And then in 2020 and 2021, that's when he was the wide receivers coach for the first time. What happened in 2020 and 2021? Devontae Adams first led the NFL in touchdown receptions with 18, and then in 21 led the NFL in receptions and receiving yards. So now this year... and Everything that Vrabel taught him. And Wildy alluded to it. Now all of a sudden, this guy that's been a wide receivers coach for two years is now the passing game coordinator this, this year team. and last year, he's been the passing and, game coordinator. And last year, yes, correct. But all of a sudden, without Devontae Adams to make him look better than he is, potentially? It's what I've been saying all year. Devontae Adams taught Jason Rabel more than Jason Rabel taught Devontae Adams. I'm sure I'm and, quite confident in that. I mean, you, you look at it, too. Like It's not as though during 2020 and 2021, when he was the wide receivers coach, that he got... MVS to the point where we needed to re-sign him or we got Alan Lazard or EQ or all these other young wide receivers there's literally zero wide receivers from those teams remaining on this roster so how good of a job did he do coaching these guys up that we saw all of them to be expendable how how well did he coach up Sammy Watkins last year and Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs and Samari Ture? Rogers talked about how bad Samari Ture was in practice. Remember, he, t- he was talking more about effort, but it's once again one of those things where I'm just like, it's it's all these little things with the team this year that's getting to me because I'm like, uh, once again, uh, obviously a fanatic, but if I can catch these stupid little things, you should be able to catch these stupid little things. So I was I was just very happy. I shouldn't say very happy to hear that someone's bad at their job, but I feel like I've incepted this into Wildy's brain too, because I called him back in August and I was like, hey, hey, Jason, you know how how Rogers always talked up Hackett and Getsy? I haven't heard I haven't heard him say that. A couple of times he did bring up Steno, but never Jason Vrabel did Rogers ever bring up his name. And then last week, I should have brought that clip, not like it mattered, but Jason Vrabel or Jason Wildy used that exact point when he was talking about Vrabel and how he hasn't you know, potentially isn't that great of a position coach, but on to fun things is Kyle an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. All right. Is Kyle an idiot for the week? Uh, you, were you guys okay last week? I think, uh, three for three, probably. I don't know. I think you were two for one. You had one. You're still over 500 for the season. We were one, two for three, one and two, I believe. 
if okay, if you guys do bad oh. this week, then I'll have to actually go back and count to see mm. what, where we're at. We'll for do this. good, but I, I'm pretty sure you're not idiots. If we get into idiot range, I'll do some diving. All right. First one: the Packers are playing the Steelers this week, who have T.J. Watt. What player? What NFL player did the Packers draft instead of T.J. Watt? Kevin King. That's not. That's oh, not okay. actually the question. That was a joke. <laughs> I was gonna say, yay, we're not idiots. <laughs> Sorry. Damn it. Since Rodgers took over the Packers, they have played the Steelers five times. How many times did Rodgers start against the Steelers in those five games? He started in Pittsburgh for sure. We lost that game like 37-36. We beat him in the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, It's two games. Brett Hundley started one. In Pittsburgh, that would be, be three games. So that's two starts. Yeah. Three games total. One not start. Mm-hmm. We got two more. We need five total. Just guess. Chuck it up. We one played them. Three in. We played them in. We played them two years ago. We played them in twenty one and beat them. So Rogers must have played. So that's three starts for Rogers. And one not start. I'm, like pretty, I'm, here. I'm pretty sure that start, that start that was like a 37-36 loss, I think that might have been like his first or second year as a starter. So I'm going to say, so the question is since Rodgers was on the team or took over? Took over. Since, since 2008, since how many? Since he's been the starter. Okay. Yeah. Out of the five games, how many did he start? Did Matt, Four. did Matt Flynn Matt Flynn started a game at Lambeau against him? I'm going to say three games. Yes, that was borderline painful, but you did. We get got there. there. Yes, <laughs> and I helped. I didn't help. I, you you yeah. kept count. I, yeah, I had fingers up. I think it was. I don't know if it was the Super Bowl year or the year before, but we had like just signed a safety that week, and he played like the majority of that game in 2009. Something was it Martin. Josh Bell? He was god awful. Josh Bell was the cor- maybe he was the guy who was signed, but I remember I thought it was the last name Martin. But yes, I, I'm Three, sure he was a very nice guy, though. Yes, everyone, everyone involved with the Packers, very nice people. But yes, very good. Three out of those five games. I, it's kind of weird the. Um, the Rodgers versus Mahomes thing, how that's just never going to happen either. Like it, we had three opportunities when he was with the Packers, mm-hmm. and now even with yeah. this year, mm-hmm. it's not. It obviously didn't happen either. So, second question: Mike McCarthy coached. Okay, Mike McCarthy coached the Packers in Super Bowl forty-five against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did Mike McCarthy ever coach for Pittsburgh? Well, he started out his first year as a coach was in Kansas City. And he is, Joe he is Montana. from Pittsburgh. I didn't write that in the question. He, I should he's have. from yep, Pittsburgh. Yep, yep. He was in Kansas City. But where did City. he go he was in, after Kansas City? He was in New Orleans for a time. He was in San Francisco. He had some time in Green Bay in the late 90s. I, I don't think he was ever with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, I would say no. Say no. Mike McCarthy won. He went to Pittsburgh. He was a graduate assistant there for three years and the receiver coach at Pittsburgh. The so. college, though, not the Steelers. I said. Whoa. I said Pittsburgh. I said. What? Did, I said. Did he ever oh, coach at Pittsburgh? That's, the Steelers. That's unacceptable. We're playing the Steelers, and you were saying yes. Pittsburgh, the college. 
You guys are one on one for the week. Moving on, the we next are question. Two, we are two and zero oh for the week. That's bullshit. Get, that's only half a loss. John Kuhn famously won a Super Bowl while on the Packers, and he previously was on the uh, Steelers practice squad when they won in like two thousand seven. Super Bowl forty. Yep. So, uh, where's my where's the question? Here? Oh, where did he play after Green Bay? Uh, New Orleans. Yes, you're right. Very good. I didn't think you'd pick that up. Three that and zero for the week. But I guess you're a fullback guy. Uh, other yes, sir. fun little fu- uh, fun fact, whatever here. Montrevious Adams, Shannon Sullivan, and <laughs> Tyreek Carpenter and Deuce Watts are on the Steelers practice squad right now. If you remember Ty- Tyreek, who we drafted not last year, but the year before, um, he was a Steelers fan. The linebacker safety hybrid who was supposed to be a special teams uh, specialist. Deuce Watts? Deuce Watts was the receiver this training camp who was making a run for the oh, team. Oh, okay. Yep. I was like, God, that sounds super mm-hmm. familiar, but I could not peg it. And his brother's okay. name is Fat Watts, so together they are a fat deuce. Uh, PH, obviously. Yes. The Steelers preview. You were playing the Steelers at uh, noon. Uh, CES. I, I have a stump spenny question. Oh, shit. Okay, cool. Sorry. I'm just We got into Steelers and I just kept rolling. So we, we mentioned the Packers victory in Super Bowl 45 against the Steelers. Who had the Packers' only sack of Ben Roethlisberger in that game? Uh, Howard Green doesn't get a credit for the sack, right? Correct. That was an interception. You know what? I think it might have... Was it Frank Zombo? It was Frank Zombo. It was very Frank Zombo. Well. He was Wait, very well he was, done. He was hurt all of the playoffs. Eric Walden had to come in, and then he was healthy for the Super Bowl, came in, and got the only that- sack in the game. The Frank Zombo where he jumped over the running back? That's Brandon, that's think- Brandon Chiller. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. Okay, damn it. Nothing nothing gets me more Brandon, excited yes. than like white borderline linebackers for the Packers. You know, like Brandon Chiller, Blake Martinez, Brady Papinga. Brady Papinga. Yeah, but because uh, I, I remember that because he, you remember his stupid little celebration? Was it the, the was it the sword the sword the Zorro the Zorro Z yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I much. liked Brandon Schiller he was fun I, I think he won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs uh, the first one with Patrick Mahomes too he ended up having a halfway decent really? NFL career Frank yeah. Zombo yeah Attaboy, Frank Zombo almost positive yeah anyways wow back to the preview noon, noon kickoff CBS game Ian Eagle Charles Davis on the call Packers are three point underdogs guess what the over under in this game is oh I was just looking at it I think it's thirty nine. It is 39. I, I'm sure we've ah, had... Ah, 4-0 this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we've had like a 39-point over-under in the last five years, but God, that feels wrong just reading that. Uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is 5-3 and three after beating the Titans last Thursday, 16 Are you talking about 20? the college or the professional Great, football Good team? question there. On de- Sometimes you just never know. On defense, they are 13th, giving up 20.4 points per game, but are 31st in yards per game, giving up 377. They are top 10 in sacks and turnovers, so kind of a weird defense. You know, obviously, they create a lot of pressure with TJ Watt up front and all that. Uh, on offense, they have Kenny Pickett. Uh, he is their quarterback. He is quite mid. I feel like he's... This hurts. He's like the AFC version of Jordan Love right now as far as like how I think people maybe nationally view these guys, right? I think that's probably fair. Okay, I'm getting head nods. I'll, I'll keep going. Uh, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens are at wideout along with Allen Robinson. You know, we've talked a lot about the veteran wide receiver shit. Allen Robinson would have been a guy probably this offseason. They might have traded for him. Pretty underwhelming stats in Pittsburgh, I'll say, though. That's uh, fine. After underwhelming years in L.A. 
Yes, but he has experience in the offense, and I'm sure he would be more helpful than Samari Ture for this for this team right now. No, or Jason no. Vrabel, potentially. Yeah, who's to say? I, I'd hire him on as a coach. Uh, Pat Fryermuth is on the IR, so they have Darnell Washington uh, starting for them. The Packers, a lot of us in Packers draft world or whatever, fell in love with him during the process. They also have Hayward as the other tight end, I believe. Uh, the running backs, Najee Harris, is also mid, like the quarterback, getting a 3.8 yards per carry, like A.J. Dillon. Jalen Warren, their backup, is getting 4.7 yards a carry, and he's nipping at the heels of mm-hmm. of Harris for the season, too. On defense, they obviously have, you know, T.J. Watt, but also Patrick Peterson signed on there this year. Along with They have Quan Alexander and Mika Fitzpatrick, Joey Porter Jr., who showed up pretty well as a rookie. It, it, I'm not like a big... Steelers guy or anything, but I'm surprised we don't hear more about Joey Porter Jr. playing yeah. for the team that his dad won a Super Bowl for, you know? I think it's yeah, partly it's because they have Patrick Peterson, and I don't know that Patrick Peterson should necessarily be starting over Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, I, I've i seen his name pop up quite a bit, so I think Porter's still playing these. I think he had a pick uh, last week or the week before, but uh, I mean, Patrick Peterson, I thought that when he signed with the Vikings, it was a shitty signing, but he turned out to be... He had more in the tank than I thought. He's he got would, good ball skills too. Yes, especially last year. I think he was a little bit better than he was the first year with the Vikes. But yeah, in Pittsburgh, I don't. Know, the Steelers. I said the thing about Kenny Pickett, but also the Steelers just kind of feel like the Packers of the AFC as well. I always go between when we're bad, when we're good, we're the 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 Steelers. When we're bad, we're the Browns. That's what I kind of feel like <laughs> our mirror in the in the AFC. But. Yes, I don't know. People have talked about the Barry between, um, or the battle between Joe Barry and what's his first name? Whatever Canada, the offensive coordinator Matt for the Steelers. Canada. Matt Canada, who their fans absolutely hate. What are we thinking going into this game here, Todd? Hmm? Yeah, I think what's interesting is the yards. You know where their defense in yards is almost worse in the league, but then in points is up near the top. Um, and I think kind of looking at that, we were looking at that a little before, and it just kind of seems like the turnovers are kind of it. So if we can protect the ball, obviously you got TJ Watt coming off the edge. Makes me a little bit nervous. Um, and then Cameron Hayward too, right? Um, so I don't know. It, it'll it be – am I wrong? Is that not Cameron Hayward? Am I thinking of somebody else? I, I don't know. I'm not looking at the roster right now. I just know they have a tight end with a very similar name. Cameron Hayward is the defensive lineman. Yeah. Okay. They do have a Hayward. Okay. I don't know what his it, name it's is. His bro- it's his brother. It's his brother, Connor. Spencer looked at me <laughs> like I was an idiot. And I was like, Cam Hayward's been there for a year. I, I, I was sitting here think. nodding my head like, yep, absolutely. Everything you're <laughs> okay, saying yeah. is factually correct. <laughs> Just those two guys make me nervous. Montrevious Adams doesn't necessarily make me nervous. Um, it is going to be interesting. The back end, too. Shannon I know last Sullivan? week. I, yeah, and and Minka Fitzpatrick is a good safety. He was out last week. Mm. If he plays, I think that probably makes a little bit of a difference just on that back end. And Jordan Love, granted, is not throwing the ball super deep, but it could be pretty dangerous. Some situations if he's throw, lobbing the ball up there and dangerous Minka's for back everyone there flying involved. around. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Their defense scares me a little bit just on the on the turnover side of the ball, but um, I feel okay. Right? Like I don't. I'm not. Their offense isn't super scary. They got pretty bad offense. That makes me feel better, kind of like against the Rams, whereas, like, feel okay. And obviously, we didn't know that Matt Stafford wasn't going to play. That changed things. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel okay. When when your quarterback taken in the back half of the first round 
it's like you have to prove that you're good or I'm going to think you're dog shit until you show otherwise. And that's what Kenny Pickett has just fair always been. Billy? I think Kenny Pickett has shown some flashes this year. I mean, not <laughs> not unlike Jordan Love has certainly shown some flashes. So I think the, the comparison that you made is a good one. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I'm with you, Todd. I don't know that the the offense necessarily scares me too much. But the defense is what worries me, you know, on the road. And I saw this this week as I was preparing for the podcast, like the good podcast host I am. The Packers have not won in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Have you heard this? Since 1970. That's a while. And we still own the all-time record against them. Correct. Like 9-8 and eight or 8-7, eight and seven, I think it is. Well, yeah, it, uh, 20, 20 to 16, but if that's if you count like the Pittsburgh Pirates from way back uh, in the 30s, but at, I at any rate, um, so I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, but on the road, um, Jordan Love hasn't played great on the road in the last handful of games. The offense still, still moved in fits and starts in the first half last week. And Pittsburgh can be a tricky place to play. Um, so for all those that watched, uh, what was it, the Dark Knight, or they played there? And yes, the, place the, to play too. the Dark Knight, correct? Yes, Heinz Ward returned that opening kickoff for a touchdown <laughs> before Bane blew up the stadium. <laughs> yeah, classic. Hopefully that doesn't happen on Sunday. Ooh. So yeah, I I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I think it'll be a good game, but one of those where I could see us winning, but I can definitely see us losing too. I actually feel a lot better about this game. I just was looking at, I clicked on Kenny Pickett's name on the depth chart. He wears two gloves. Yeah. We see. cannot lose this game. We have to pick him off twice. He has a bad that aesthetic is, about him. That is gross. Two gloves? You know what it is? He look, we have to win. He looks too much like Blaine Gabbert. That's what his problem is. I, who does he I mean, sure. I don't know. Blonde gross. hair coming two out gloves? the back of the helmet. Gloves. Kind of, yeah. Little little lean. I'm I'm going. Blaine at least had a little bit of swag. I will. I mean, a Blaine little was bit, like right? like also out. six foot six or something. He was a big dude. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I didn't think Kenny was as. You can't thick. lose to a quarterback with two gloves. It's not allowed. Fair. No, the the Brian Brom of the AFC. There we go. Brian uh, Brom wore two hands. gloves. <laughs> he had a huge hands. Uh, yeah. The other thing I was thinking about too. Big week to see how healthy Yash is after coming out of that uh, game last week because Rashid Walker going up against TJ Watt or wherever they're going to want to move him around on that line, that could be troublesome, especially when we Mm -hmm. obviously didn't have much of an answer for Max Crosby earlier this year. But score predictions, Todd? I don't know. This is tough. Uh, Newly seeing the Kenny Pickett gloves, I'm going to change my score a little bit here, and I'm going to say... I'm going to say 24 Packers, and I'm going to say 20 Kenny Pickett. Wow. All by, yeah. all by himself, all 20. All by himself, but the gloves are going to be the deciding factor. He's going to botch a snap or something. I hope I hope that happens. That, I hope it does, too. Those gloves are so gr- And they're both in the pictures wearing two black gloves. Like, Sh- Should we save that for your bold prediction? Maybe. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll see when it comes back. Okay, Billy. So we we talked about the Pittsburgh fans' complaints against Matt Canada's offensive coordinator. 
it kind of seemed like maybe they started to figure some things out against Tennessee last week. They ran the ball 27 times with Warren and Harris and threw the ball 30 with Kenny Pickett. So if they're able to establish balance, I think that's the offense that they want to be, and I think that's the offense they need to be. But Green Bay's also done a really good job the last couple of weeks against the run. However, as I said, we haven't won in Pittsburgh in 53 years, so that's a pretty strong track record. Mm. And for that reason, I'm going to pick the Steelers to beat Green Bay by a score of 24 to 17. Well, you talk there a lot, Billy, about making no points really important whatsoever. Couldn't agree more. But the balance. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you have to have a balance of the force. You know, the balance of the mm. force. Very important for all of all the Star Wars. Star fans Wars. Out there. That has nothing to do with my prediction. I have the Packers losing 17 to 21. It was funny, Todd, how you're saying, like, oh, I feel better this week. It's like yeah, yeah, no, it. I feel a lot better, but it's like we got to remember the four weeks before this, and I think. Well, I'll send you the picture of Kenny Pickett with the gloves on, and then you can reevaluate how you feel. If Kenny Pickett point. comes out and throws four touchdowns, this is your fault. Oh, it's gross, though. I just hope the gloves get. Teddy involved. Bridgewater wears yeah. two gloves. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Is he? St- I don't even care about him. But War. yes, past tense. Seventeen twenty-one. I have the Packers losing. You know. <sighs> This team hasn't traveled very well under Matt LaFleur, it feels like, especially this young team. So We we'll get see. lost at the airport. It happens. <laughs> it's one of those where, again, I'm wins and losses this season don't really matter all that much. Obviously, we want to win. But if we win this game, I'll, I'll feel pretty good about the team. You know, Pittsburgh isn't great, but on the road... Just thinking about the Steelers logo, you're like, that's a tough football team. And for us to be at a tough football team... That'd be pretty cool. Todd, what is your bold prediction? Um, my bold prediction is going to be Kenny Pickett throws two picks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one. Let's do this. Can I do a Kenny Pickett fumble and a Kenny Pickett interception? And I'll even call out who he's throwing it to. He's going to throw it to uh, Carrington Valentine. Okay. All right. Uh-oh. I, Billy shook his head for all the... Uh... Oh, no. Did you have a Carrington Valentine pick? I was going to make a throwback call to my week one bold prediction, Carrington Valentine interception. So uh, we all remember that. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to change gear. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he played like zero uh, defensive snaps in that game, actually. Um, so I'm going to change gears. I'm going to say that Green Bay holds Pittsburgh without a sack in this game. Okay. I think that is very bold. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that is. I have perhaps the most bold prediction. I've maybe maybe that's a little over the top, however. I That's bold. I saw him on the sideline this week or maybe it was last week. We talked about John Kuhn, talked about the toughness of Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh tough Mike McCarthy, Pittsburgh Steelers Mike Tomlin, he looks, you know, he looks tough and stuff. I have fullback Henry Pearson active for the game, getting called up from the practice squad. You may have forgot he's still on the practice squad. Something else, too. I found this interesting. Um, God, Pierce, Antonio Pierce, the new head coach of the uh, Raiders. Raiders, right? Yep. They talked about, he talked to his presser this week how he had the practice squad guys on the sidelines last week. I saw that. 
they hadn't done that before. I didn't realize teams didn't have their practice squad players on the sideline because the Packers, as far as I can remember, have always had those guys on the sidelines, at least as long as the practice squad has been like a thing people have kind of understood a little bit more. Do, do the Packers have them on the sideline or just like in a box somewhere? No, the pa- they're always on the sideline. You can see, I remember like Kurt Banker, uh, Bronson Kafusi was a really good sideline guy helping people up all the time. So I saw Henry Pierce in the background. So again, tough game, fullbacks, mullet, Henry Pearson active for this game. You know, Josiah DeGuara, he hasn't been great. Maybe they try something new. This is... This is a complete shot in the dark. But we, we finally figured out that running out of a uh, a 12 personnel actually works really well. Yes, that was a big thing too, how Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed almost had the same amount of snaps this week, which is something we we're kind of looking forward to too because we played so much 12 personnel. So we had one more tight end on the field and Jaden got pulled out of the slot. So that was the reason for that. But yes, we shall see. Uh, last thing to talk about mistakes from last week. Once again, I mean, we didn't have much, but in one of the clips, I the Mark Murphy clip, I did have it repeat. So he said his opening line twice. I did not cut that. That was a mistake by me. I am so sorry about that, guys. But uh, other than that, we were absolutely perfect, spot on as always. Wow, as always. Amazing. Except for you know letting Andrew come on, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. But uh, with that. I I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? Let's break the streak. The one what, thing, real the quick. The, the losses at Pittsburgh ah, streak. okay. Yes, okay. Sorry. The one thing that I had real quick, Todd, your, your Carrington-Valentine interception, bold prediction. Mm-hmm. Love that. The, <laughs> the swagger that he was playing with this he week. He was, actually. Like, he was it, all over the place. It reminded me of Rasul, honestly. So, I don't know if... I don't know if that was a throwback to Rasul, but if if he can become our our new Rasul, I will one hundred percent take it. He was up and he was vocal, almost like literally too vocal, probably after he would defense a ball. Yeah, and like point he he I think, did the matumbo. Point he did the matumbo. I thought he pointed actually, which I think you're not allowed. That's to That's when I was yelling. Where I'm like, that. do not. Yeah, it was like yes. the first quarter. So I'm like, do not start this. And Jair played, like, I, our two corners played really well. Granted, they weren't challenged by Rippon, but I don't know. It was exciting. I, I like to see that. Sorry, I just I just wanted to, to make that point. No, I give the option every week in case there's something else. So with that, Eric Hoskin, please don't sue us. Anywhere I quit my job. Yeah, it just won't pay. I worked all year. I worked all month. Then they took my money away, yeah, now I don't care. Cause they ain't working like me down here. And I said, hey now, little baby, I'm gonna be put down in debt. Hello? Hello? The elephant has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> okay. Is that what? a thing that people Ow now brown cow. Ow now brown cow. It's from uh, Anchorman. God, I don't remember that line. I think that's what he says. 
Yeah, he says how now, Brown Cow, for sure. And I know that one. Yeah. I'm uh, Ron Burgundy. Go <laughs> fuck yourself, Sandy. <laughs> God uh, damn it. Todd, do you have the stats pulled up for the game? I have I, I have, have so many tabs. What would you like to know? Well, if if I'm From looking at the LA yardage game? career yardage for Donald Driver. No. I um, don't have that one up. God damn if, it, Todd. If I'm just looking for stats while we're going through the game stuff, if you could read off whatever I'm looking for, that would be cool. I have a lot of stuff, so shoot and I'll try and get it. Yeah. Cool. 